podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. Uh, my name's Dan Kennett and with me to discuss the Boxing Day thriller at the Villa, it's my namesake, Mr. Daniel Rhodes, a resident, our data collection expert, back on the press and duty Rosie over Christmas, I, I believe. Yes. Which day was it? Which day did you do the press and collection? Um, the 27th. Well, uh, ho- 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 hopefully it wasn't that too intensive for you. It wasn't exciting as a football because <laughs> there was a lot of chances and quite a few failed presses from both sides. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the on ball quality was excellent. Yeah, so you got to see that in super slow mo so again. At least, as we'll come on to yeah. Happy Christmas to all the uh, listeners and subscribers in particular. Yeah, but such is such is the life of data collection, Rosie. You have to do it on the twenty seventh of December as well. You know, Ooh, we've got another one coming up as well after Brentford. Uh, absolutely right. Um, Oh, is Gags on? Uh, is Gags on Leicester? Gags is on Leicester. Excellent. So Gags is doing so, yeah. some work for us. He always does it all the uh, Midlands ones. <laughs> right, <laughs> and and you might have been watching some video on our new signing, on some new Wisecat footage on our new signing. Yes, which we can, we for should, you. player I'd only really seen in the World Cup. Yep. Well, we can talk about that, that at the end, hopefully as well. But we only have one half of our dynamic sports science duo with us. But good news for everybody. It's not his. It's not. He's not coming from an ivory tower. He's actually coming from the training pitch. It's Mr. Simon Brundish. Afternoon, boys. Morning, boys. Morning. morning. This is this is unique, eh? This is new. Morning. Yeah. yeah. We. Yeah. Very very rare occurrence. How's uh, how's things? Say. Si? How was your birthday? Yeah, but that was great. Life is good. Christmas is Christmas. Do you do you find you you've got older kids now? Do you find it gets a bit weird as they get a bit older? <laughs> like it changes. Yeah, dynamic changes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. We're going through that phase right now. It's a bit boring. And, and just to confirm to everybody, uh, Si, that you are going for a uh, an MRI scan after playing Laser Quest. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's the case. Yeah. Uh, and which part of the body are you getting scanned? Uh, left knee. Okay. So this means you're officially old now. Yeah. Forty eight is officially officially <clears throat> old. Yeah. Because you may get serious injuries playing Laser Quest. Or getting out of the shower, which is how they usually occur. But yeah. <laughs> He's in the red zone. <laughs> Not enough exercise over Christmas. He was in the red zone. He wasn't prepared to play Laser Quest. <laughs> right. Okay. So, what we're going to do is before we talk about Aston Villa, uh, one Liverpool three, we are going to very, very briefly talk about the League Cup game on the twenty third of December against Man City. We lost three two. Um, I um, personally um, was very, very happy that we lost this game. I know it seems a bizarre thing to say, but as I said it on the pre-season pod, we really need to, in this season of seasons, we really need to go out 
the domestic cups in the earliest opportunity because the season has no slack and we still have two games against um, Chelsea and Wolves to to try and squeeze somehow into the second half of this season. Um, so, boys, um, did you share that emotion? Were you kind of happy to see us go out? And what did you think of the Reds' performance? And generally, Rose, I'll come to you first. Yeah, always delighted to see us go out of the League Cup. Have been for years. Nice little interlude last year. Um, but, yeah. Did he, it, was a, uh, it was a fun game to come back to. Any thoughts on the performance? Um, sim- similar traits <clears throat> to the Villa one. Um, we conceded lots of big chances. Uh, Man City could have been out of sight. Um, their keeper didn't make a save and I was made five. But we also, there was also some uh, really good spots in there, I thought. Um, Nunes couldn't hit a band or again. Um, and we'll come on to that again for the Bill again. Yeah. It's due. I think it's like six, seven big chances in a row now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one will go in eventually. Um, but it was a bit um, kind of men against boys, wasn't it, really, unfortunately. To fiz- yeah, uh, and we did have a very quite quite a few... Young lads out, and it did it, it did show, didn't it? We were really, in terms of the pressing, in terms of the it intensity did. and the physicality. Yeah, yeah. Physicality in particular. We did have a, a, a weak defence, you could say. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think so. Um, and they exploited it. Yeah. Um, Say si, thoughts on City? Um, well, I was working, so I missed the game. So I've seen it in retrospect. And my... <laughs> My information about the game was basically the uh, analysis that you guys were putting in the in the group while I was <laughs> watching the game, uh, and then and and then I looked at Twitter, um, which is always a terrible idea. Um, I think you can just leave it there. It's always a terrible idea. But then uh, gradually watched the game over the next three days, and I I thought we weren't anywhere near as bad as I was expecting us to be. Oh, um, City weren't anywhere near as as dominant in terms of ripping us apart as I expected to be. Um, a couple of their biggest chances would, would have been offside anyway, um, but like that, it makes it feel like it was it was way worse than it actually was. They could have scored a couple of goals. We could have easily scored a couple more goals. Um, our finishing a shite, but we were kind of creating chances still against their against ostensibly the best team in the world, and and they put out their best team in the world with pretty much with, they were pretty they were pretty strong they were pretty strong yeah. They basically went. Here are nine. Here are nine best players, or you swap the keeper out. So eight, eight best outfield players, and we'll put two kids in. Uh, and and we had a hodgepodge of of players of um, of our starting eleven with uh, two lads at centre back back who had played one game before. Milner at right back. Come on now. Um, and then, and then, tiny little fellas dotted around the pitch. Yeah, um, and it, it, I, th- I think it's fair to say we we got significantly better as the game went on. The, the start, the first quarter, the first half an hour was particularly bad. I thought, as you bring normal sized humans on, <laughs> I think it's as simple as that, Sai. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very simple, and it's is is very relative to related to that. And I would liken it after the um, after my first half viewing. I likened it to um, uh, we we went we got we've gone through an evolution that um, Wenger went through, where he came into the country, um, saw what was needed, bought loads of big, huge lads, reinvented the game, and that uh, uh, Arsenal created this powerful team that had never been seen before of yeah. warriors. Yeah, and then he got too clever and started to bring little short fellas in, and well, and we're technical team. Yeah, 
and then and then they lost forever and then Robin <sighs> and and hopefully Klopp corrects this and and the Gakpo thing potentially uh, is is the bookend to a period where he thinks it, that we think that we're we're so good we can have dwarfs in the team. Right. So you're you talking about the you're talking about the Aaron Ramsey, Cesc Fabregas, um oh what was the that the English lad's name, the English centre mid. I can't remember his name now. One who's always injured. Wilshire. 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 You're talking about that era, so yeah, 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 yeah. But this yeah, <clears throat> yeah. it just got way too small. Because before that they had you know they had yeah, yeah, yeah. Vieira, yeah. Plus uh, the defenders. On the wings, there was there was Youngberg and um, uh, Youngberg, Wiltord, and Pires, yeah. who were all five ten, six foot ish. And Henri up front was not small. Henri replaced by Pir- uh, by Van Persie, all yeah, six yeah. foot. Yeah, big lads. Yeah, interesting. Um, Are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You, uh, so one other thing, better put to bed. Just, yeah, yeah. We'll, one, one other thing, the, the soft tissue injury, say. Um, anything, any thoughts on that? Because... The World Cup, two players who don't go to the World Cup, um, we do three weeks in Dubai, and then Bobby gets injured the day before the match, and then Milner during the match, both soft tissue. Um, anything to be concerned about here? I'm concerned in that it's becoming a thing. Um, uh, you know, it, in isolation, people occasionally pick up soft tissue injuries, and that's like a little bit of a calf strain. A soft tissue injury, we're talking really muscle pulls. Yeah. Um, I'm even not even, I'm not even going down ligament issues, just muscle pulls. And that's the stuff strength and conditioning coaches feel like, uh, is our fault. Yeah. Um, we planned badly. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, and it seems to be a regular repeating occurrence going on this season and into last season. And we've had, we've now had seven times, seven games this season where in which we've had to bring off an injured player. And Seven. between between eighteen uh, nineteen to twenty twenty one, is that was that a good season? Uh, two good seasons, <laughs> two yeah. best elite seasons. It happened twice. Yeah, in one hundred and seven games, and now it's happened seventeen times in what twenty four? Wow! And it's just it's just there is something going on. It's too much. We're taking too many risks, or we're but we've just we've also say. These these two players in particular have had a lot of soft tissue injuries over the last two years, and a lot of it could it could it be fair to say is age related. Yeah, yeah. Well, previous injury is that is a cause of future injury. So yeah. I've had one hamstring pull, and I'm 48. So it's not to age, and and I do a lot of mm. exercise. But Bobby's had so, a lot yeah. of muscle pulls in the last last you know two years, and and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Milner's always hamstring and and, and groin calf. and yeah calf calf. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. Both of them have been have had. So um, maybe their loading strategies aren't right because I don't believe in their like their recovery strategies are spot on. Both of them are like incredibly dedicated. Yeah, but um, potentially uh, uh, they get thrown in. They're they're uh, their first first replacements, aren't they? So they yeah. get thrown in. Maybe they're not topped up, so they're ready to go, or maybe their bodies just aren't aren't capable of playing the playing the, the amount of football that's been asked of them, even the reduced amount of football that's been asked of them. I think Milner probably should have retired two years ago, in court, if you listen to his body. His body's going, no. So what should happen is you either, he either goes down a level where he's he's not asked, the, the physical demands aren't as high, or um, you just have enough people in the squad where he you, you expect him to be injured and you just re- he just doesn't play and that's so fine. Just just for fun, right? Sorry, just say say James Milner does leave Liverpool at the end of this season, right? And he drops down to the Championship or League One. Do you think he could play at the, at that level um, without potentially getting too many injuries? Because no, it's I less- think there's no, I don't. I just think there's less consequence if he gets injured. That's all. Uh, okay, so he'll still get injured even if he's at League One. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. The league one's li- li- league one lit. Oh well, no. Championship has higher, more high speed run demands than the Premier League. Wow. So it's just hard, and they play a lot of games. Yeah, they, do, they, games do. The they do, they do, they do. Well, so so yeah. I, I don't know if there's a way of the age just catch up, catches up with you. And and as well as he's prepared his body over his life, he he got a couple of injuries, which then can which then vary in all all likelihood do lead to further injuries because there are always some kind of muscle compensation. If you have some scar tissue, you can't build up that muscle. It doesn't fire in the same way, and and there are compensations down the chain, repeating the same skills. That's all. But I think the good news on injuries is I don't think there was any any fresh ones after Villa, right? Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. It seems it seems that today uh, there is no injuries, which is awesome at this time of year because December is the most uh, is the most injured month. Oh, so Bobby and Bobby and Milner are back in training. No new injuries. Oh, no, no new injuries. Bobby Excellent. is back in training today. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So leading on to Villa, um, just specifically with the Bobby injury, I guess in mind. Um, do you? What did he make of our system, Sai? Um, was it a was it a change of system, or did we attempt to go four three three? How did you see us in the different phases of this? It's or, definitely or, or what, it's, it's the, it's the four it phases. Four, so we well, we still build the same way, right? So you still need in 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 depends on which areas of the pitch, right, and where the ball is. But they still expect three players to be in a certain uh, certain area of the pitch when, say, the left back. Because their left back has got the ball, and they'll still expect three players to be in in the same area of the pitch when their centre midfielder's got the ball, right? But then also inversely, when when Trent's got the ball, we need three players on on one line, one player on a different line, two more players on a different line, one and then another player on a different line. And how we create those shapes changed, if that makes sense. So typically. The Liverpool system would have had um, Mane coming from deep, making a run, Mo staying high, making a run inside, and Bobby dropping off and having his uh, having his space filled by either Mane yeah. or Rob, uh, uh, which would have which would have had Robbo going past him or Mo coming inside. Yeah, yeah. depending on who's got the ball. So what happened now was they all start in the same four three three shape. It's just that um, Ox was dropping. Instead of being the being the deeper man making the running behind, he was he was coming inside to make Bobby's space. 
yeah. uh, to take where Bobby space and allowing Nunes to, to cut outside, then inside to make to stay up high. And Mo was doing the same thing. And then Robertson on the overlap on, the, on that side. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so um, Ox was being the much more of the Bobby like connector. Yeah. Or trying but, to be, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, tr- and and interestingly, Trent was deeper again, wasn't he? He didn't he didn't go on this crazy trying to get into the ten position all the time and stuff. That he was no Hendo was doing the wild Hendo thing of getting up and down more wide out right. Okay, so, so, so I, I don't know if this system worked in that in that I saw Ox coming into uh, Tiago's space a lot. And Thiago was cutting it was was um he was compressing play coming right in uh, alongside Fab to protect because Hendo was had much a much more vertical role. Um and it allowed well it 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 led to having fewer options in the right spots. So yeah. Thiago would instantly because Thiago without looking knows where Robbo is all times and would know where to make the pass just to his um, like vertically to his left, but Ox would very be very close to his feet, so there would it, 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 like it would remove that option. So it's a little bit less fluid down the left hand side than you would hope it to be. Yeah. Um, and and when we were when we were in a positive transition space, it actually worked quite well because Nunes had drifted out left, so he he'd created that outlet that we that that you would expect of the left wing. But in possession, it worked less well. So we were all building down the right-hand side. Okay. Um, so you've touched on the lineups there um, briefly with some of the key additions, I say. Um, Matip was back. Uh, so Matip and Van Dijk getting the band back together at centre-back, which was nice. Um, yeah. And then Thiago Fab, Henderson instead of Elliot on the right, and Ox instead of Baby Fab on the left, or, or Bobby, and I guess, actually, the, the Probably, probably replacement in the team. Um, but um, Rosie, we're going to talk about the pressing. I was going to talk about the pressing a bit later, but Sai's already touched on some, on some key points there, and you, you collected this game. I mean, can we just talk about um, Fabinho and Thiago? Because you know, I, I thought they were very, they were cons- very conservative in them, and they're very, and they're very deep and very, you know, very together and very conservative. What was what was your reading of it? Yeah, it, it, they were. Um... They were, and if you look at the data, it's quite interesting. They were quite conservative, and I know I think Fab had a, pre- a failed press that led to one of their shots, I think maybe the second half. But the key for me, if you look at all the defenders, they all had 100% efficiency. So yeah. you've got a section MF, um, are more reactive than the progressive pressing in the final third pressing that you might expect with them compacting the play high. Definitely sitting deeper, um, and all our pressing was virtually in the middle third, so they weren't pushing on or even dropping that deep. Um, it was we kind of kept them there um, to, when, when we were applying pressure, anyway. And yeah, it was a change, quite a change. Like you say, Henderson was was pushing. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I think the, the um, way it, the way I would say it, Rosie, is that um, what it shows in the pressing data is that Oxen Oxen Hendo came in almost like as a two ahead of Fab and Thiago. So it was almost like a box of four in the midfields. Um, And they were doing, and and, and Hendo and Ox were doing all the proactive stuff, trying to be the more proactive stuff, particularly chasing down the Villa centre mids and and, and Tyrone Mings. Um, Whereas Fab and, you know, a press every six minutes for Fab and Thiago, it's it's quite, well, it is is low. You know, it's it's quite a, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, 
Uh, Sorry. So yeah, box midfield. I mean, did you see that on? Was that in all the phases or just uh, just on without the ball? Like we'd, we'd be saying there, that there's a clear box in midfield with the, without the ball on the pressing side. What did you think in build up and stuff? Well, I sometimes uh, I think shape occurs uh, in response to the opposition shape. Of course. So they had a box midfield, um, right? And so I think those, sh- like the pressing shapes bec- uh, appear because we were pressing where they were right. stood, basically. Yeah. And that's where they were. That's, that's how they built. They had so Wendy and, and McGinn were behind their front too. So it was all quite, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and really Bailey was running off. He was coming deep and, and running off, off Watkins. So they had a one and a one really a t- than a two, as much yeah. as they would like to call it a two. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry, it worked, it kind of worked to our advantage on the right hand side because it allowed when we had the ball, it allowed Hendo to go wide and he was committing their fullback. Yeah. Because 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 Wendy had no interest in going very rarely. And he what he was more interested in trying to uh, occupy Trent, who couldn't care less because he was just awesome. But then it afforded um because they didn't have a two or a three, which is very common, um and, and Bailey was deeper. It allowed uh, Matip to. I thought he can. He helped control the tempo of the game a lot. It, uh, from from a possession based um, structure, we uh, we are without shadow of a doubt better when Matip's playing. Yeah, because, because of the because of the carrying. So he carries the ball so well into midfield, and he he, he yeah. basically he, he commits Villa players towards him, which frees up more space and disrupts their shape. Yeah, as we yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, I do agree with that. I mean, as good as Canati is, I, I, I agree with you. When when Matic doesn't play, we do miss that that particular aspect of his game, don't we? I, I, maybe Matic wasn't that great on the defensive side in this game. I mean, I thought we thought uh, Ollie Watkins gave him a, quite a lot of trouble. Sorry? Watkins is a good player. Yes, yeah. Like so I think sometimes we can easily get dragged into who's who played well, who didn't play well, and mm. and we. We so rarely like afford the the uh, doubt to like actually they're a good team. We talked about the first game. City are the best team in the world. Yeah. Like, did we play well or not? I don't know. Against the best team in the world, yeah. that should be the the um, like the filter we're running it through. And yeah. Villa, Villa, but also some people say that we played great against Villa, but Villa are terrible. Um, and they, they actually, have a couple. They have a couple of good players. Yeah, uh, but they are very much like um, Stevie created Bournemouth, um, and Unai Emery is going to shut them down and turn them into a Mourinho team again. But but when you when you've got Bournemouth players and you you you're asking them to be defensive and tight, um, that's going to take a while to work out. And they're right figuring it out right now. There were loads of spaces for our lads to play into. Like if if Van Dijk and Matip uh, get as much as the ball as they want and make as many progressive passing meters as they as they did in this game, they're just running the game. It wasn't side to side. It was just they were just picking out um, holes in in the structure of Villa constantly. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, Rosie, yeah, we think you might have a couple of technical problems, but do you want to try giving us that much summary? Yes, so uh, attacking, excellent, elite performance, defensively, poor, um, pretty much our season review. Um, (laughs) That close, was it? (laughs) 3.3 on penalty XG, away from home. First time we've ever had seven big chances away from home under Klopp. We've had six 
twice against Man United. Um, we once had nine against Spurs under Rodgers, but that's that's high. Um, yeah, it is. Point, point two one average per shot over sixteen shots is an incredible level of shot quality. Um, but then it's the same old story. Dan four big chances conceded. Um, you can't you can't keep doing that. I know it's a big chance difference of three. It's an XG difference of one point six across the models. That's all excellent away from home. Second consecutive away win. But there are games where you're not going to create seven. And if we keep conceding four big chances again, mm. um, I think we're going to struggle to get top four. I said, I said, two of my three requests were Nunes starts converting better, and we concede less than one big chance again. <laughs> well, I think I think we're going to have to start. <laughs> no, I think we're going to have to defer that by one match, Roti. Um, but we did say that we needed a better start. You know, this is the third restart of the season, and we needed a significantly better performance than Brighton and Fulham. Yes, I think we got that at least. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. A bit, a bit of difference in the XG model ranges. Kayleigh went high at three point eight point five. Yeah, he, he was by far the highest with an XG difference of two. Um, Opta two point seven one. Um, with an XG difference of 1.26. So, and you, you had some interesting figures just before the breakdown about Optus model and now it's marrying well with the whole sample of the shots that you've looked at. So I yeah. think you need to give a little bit more credit than I've been giving it. But Kale is usually one of our go-tos and 3.8 from him. Yeah, I think, I think, and I think what's going to be is, is counter-attack. Counter-attack and fast break and yeah. Yeah, following yeah. Um, take-ons and that kind of stuff, which, which we had so many of those kind of shots, which we'll come on to, but yeah. Um, just, just before we bring back its eye and talk about the good stuff in, you know, from us on the ball, two of those Villa chances came at one nil, didn't they? In the first half hour of the game, um, yes, thirteen and sixteen. Yeah, now, Bailey and Watkins. Now, which one was which one was first? Was it the Bailey one where we, he sort of slipped over? Was that the first one? The Bailey one where uh, kind of gets a slight deflection on, from Van Dyke from the cutback cross, and um, it just looks like it's slightly behind Bailey, but he completely fluffs it. Yeah, so that was a that was a big let off that because he he was about what twelve yards out, nobody yeah, on him, huge. and he, he just kind of fallen over and he, he he messes it up. And then the other one was Watkins. Yeah, Didn't point he just shank it? Was that point, point four six was a chance? Um, yeah, he had another. I Didn't he just shank it wide? Off. To the right. I think that might have been offside, but um, it doesn't come up in the on the uh, on the big chance list, so it wasn't counted as a big chance. Right, Holly Watkins the... missed the header, completely fluffed that as well. Oh yeah, he got under it, didn't he? Yeah, uh, no, no, it's the one where he could have gone with his foot. He could have, if he really wanted yes. to, he could have stretched out and he could have probably tapped it in with his left or yeah. But he went, yeah. he, he he tried the diving header, didn't he? That's right, yeah. But that that to be fair, that was a brilliant cross. That one, there's nothing, there's nothing really you could do about that one. Defensive, no, no, it was excellent. Yeah, McGinn, I, th- I think it was McGinn. Um, great run as well as, as uh, Silas saying. Yeah. But I would, say, I would say down on my notes, I've got big chance fluffed six times. So. <laughs> by Villa? By all of us. Oh, by by all. all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so so, so, so definitely things, definitely some things to work on in the numbers there, Rosie. But, yeah, some good things and some things that we should yeah. need to change ASAP. We then had three big chances. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so, Sai, let's talk about that good stuff. Let's talk about that, that fucking first goal. I mean, this is what you want, isn't it? Right? This was this was gorgeous. Beauty earned by uh, more Darwin work. Uh, Wins the corner, yeah? Uh, yeah, it gets popped out, uh, and uh, we're smart enough to get back on side quickly. And Trent, 
Uh, it was actually a really good run from Robbo, who took the original corner. He got he got uh, deep really quickly and made a really good run. Uh, and Trent saw it at the corner of his eye, picked him out with an unbelievable technique on the outside of his foot, um, uh, which which basically picked off ten players. And then an equally unbelievable first touch pass from the outside of Robbo's left foot. Um, into the little genius in the box to tap it in, who yeah. also stayed on side twice. Uh, nice tribute to the packing there. I like that. Taking out all 10 players. Unbelievable pass. I, yeah. I, I've heard some nice things said about it, but that is one of the great passes. Yeah. It's so hard to do. Yeah. What a Trent's best. But the vision of which, like he didn't just pass it to an area, he saw Robbo go. If you if if you look from the um, uh, wide angle, like Robbo had taken two steps at that point by the time Trent put his head down to make that make contact with that pass, it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's got like a that, full that is the quality. That is the quality that this team has, that these players have, that they can produce if Klopp can if Klopp can figure out how to fix the structure problems. Yeah. It's an incredible array of um sample of quality passes that he's made in his life as well, Sai, for you to say that's one of his best. Oh god, yeah. Oh, um really, like you see yeah. those those kids that are amazing at uh, putting clips together on the on the internet these days. Like they I don't know how you'd make a, a video less than two hours long of trench passes. <laughs> don't tempt me. Well, I'd, all the one um, I, there was one before from the from the club account just before Christmas of all Trent's prim, all Trent's goals for Liverpool, and you, every single one was a banger. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Honest to God, the, the way that you can strike a ball, unbelievable. Um, do, you, or, or, do you know what? Who scored? What about who scored? Oh. The website? No, literally, who scored the goal? Oh, Mo. Oh, wow. Mo scored to go seventh in the in the oh. rankings over Kenny. Over the and Kings. hear the the whole games thing taking place, of which I hate games as appearances. We've been through this a thousand times. That um, that he took uh, 23,318 23, 23, uh, minutes to get to one hundred and seventy-two, uh, and Kenny took thirty-seven thousand six hundred minutes to get to his 172 goals. It's amazing. And after you doing all that stuff previously, if you notice that LFC history now have minutes played. Yes. So you must be a happy man with that. But yeah, the Egyptian king now um, surpasses the king. So what a, honest to God, what a moment. You know. Um, who, the just... only royal crowning I like this year. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Rosie. Uh, at least that one get, that that one won't get booed by the uh, by the cop faithful anyway as well. Anyway, right. Um, we have the ball shortly in, in the net. Shortly afterwards, brilliant header from Matic from a set piece, slightly offside. It was. I, I thought this was so unlucky. It would have been a beautiful goal because he was just basically using his body, wasn't he, to uh, to hold off the defender, and then yeah. But they, it was just just about at the front foot was offside. Um, but after that. We talked about the four. We talked about the two Villa big chances. They that that was the basic the sum of Villa's attacking in the first half. And sorry, we need to talk about this because we had eight shots in that first half. Four of them um, were for Nunes. He had seven in the match in total, um, and two big chances for Darwin. Both missed. Um, yeah, um, you, 
I think it's fair to say you haven't got much hair, right? But Darwin had you tearing what's left of it out. Is that correct? I find it more frustrated than most, and, and not in the in the internet way of uh, like he's shit, he's not worth this money. It's it's that he's brain dead, and he keeps making really dumb decisions. I'm fully aware of his talent. Like I'm only judging him against uh, 120 24 minutes of goals and assists against what he should be getting because of his talent. Does that make sense? Yeah. This, this I'm not critical of his of his overall. 124 minutes per goal or assist over his Liverpool career. I'm just saying. Um, that he, he reminds me very much of him. And you say he missed two big chances, but I actually think his biggest chance was the one he didn't even touch. Which was a remarkable dummy to nobody. At the near post, early in the game, and he just left it. Like Mo was stood behind him. And there were three players between him and Mo. And no, no chance Mo called for it. It was the weirdest thing, and it would have just been a fairly simple left foot chance uh, near post. Yeah, it, it, it's his decision making that drives me insane. It's not even particularly his finishing. It's just because he can put the ball pretty much anywhere. It's his choice of where where he's shooting that that drives me crazy. Yeah, um, but the boy is so fast the, yeah. uh, for leading into the, the last goal. He was he given five meters to one of the faster faster centre backs in the league, and he just burned him off. Who's that? Conte? In ten meters, he got past him. Yeah, Conte. Yeah. yeah, he was three meters deeper than him, and he got to a ball two meters two meters beyond was, him. And that was after eighty five minutes of play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, so, is a physical <clears throat> behemoth. The first thing he did in the match on the first break, he did. Um, sorry, there was actually the first one he did where he didn't shoot and he? he dummied it. So, remote, which you mentioned one. The one after That's that, what I'm saying, yeah. the one after that was he was on the right hand side of the box and instead of shooting, he did try to play a cut across two. It, it might have been Salah, it might have been Ox coming in. Anyway, there was a, and it was intercepted by the villain. So that was the first time he did try a really good decision and roll it across. But I do agree with you that after that, it's almost like the first one or the first two get in his head, and then his then it sort of scrambles his decision making even more. If it yeah, yeah, off. and I'm not even saying he's greedy. I'm not even saying no. he's shooting when he should be passing. I could because that does happen. But he also passes when he should when he should, there's an easy shot on. Completely does the ball when there's an easy shot on. It, mm. Like it is, is mate is incredibly erratic. It's not that he's too greedy. I hope it can be talked into him. Yeah, but that can and be coached. I do wonder surely, right? how much. Pardon? That can be coached, right? Maybe. Like you can't coach our intelligence. No, but I mean, he still is. His, his English still isn't great. I mean, so that's going to make it harder to to get these kind of things across. Maybe I when he was making a dummy. That 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 um, Tyrone Mings shouted mine, and he let and and or so, <laughs> shouted something, and he thought it was Mo shouting go over. Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So Rosie, maybe there was a language thing going on. I don't know. Rosie, you going to come in there? Yeah, I think you can come. It's better decision making through huge huge amounts of repetition. Um, you can't you can't coach that instinctive intelligence that some footballers have got. Um, but like you say, if, if you give him a huge sample of shots where he's, he's gone for the far post and dragged it wide, you could get him coaching those angles and w- which are the better areas to try and finish. I think over repetition, you could. Didn't Ronaldo say that was a huge thing for him? He couldn't finish for it for years. And then he had a session with Carlos Quiras, quote this all the time, where he did something like 10,000 shots when he was suspended over a two-week period or something. 
um, wow. and then suddenly became a great finisher. I, I think it, I'm sure it's in his book, and it, I heard it. Yeah, over the World Cup being uh, mentioned, but yeah. anyway, we'll see. There's other decisions that he does make, but still, it, fought, it did mix four big chances in this game. Down, I think two against Man City, maybe three. Yeah, um, and then a couple of them weren't even classed as big chances, as I says, because he didn't take a shot. So he could have had nine, ten big chances in two games. Yeah, I think he's down at twenty-one percent big ca- big chance conversion, which yeah. is that's that yeah. is. He's also, I think, at one point three, one point four big chances a game. He has. Yeah, yeah. So didn't didn't Mane go for a period like this? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've ever seen anybody accumulate the chances no. at this rate before. No, 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 no. Which, it, which is, which is now we're talking about things that you can coach into a player, right? One thing you cannot coach into a player is um, physical capacity and speed. And Opta put out some stats yesterday. Um, they did, the, um, the, the, if you're you're putting a whole industry out of business right now, Daniel. Why? There's an awful <laughs> lot of people on the internet selling speed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But Adam Bates, ghost goal, one of the best ones, writes for Sky. Um, um, it, it does infuriate me. That, that, that every now and again, he'll come up with um, an article which really goes deep on on intensity and pressing and so and and, and and speed and, and and high intensity runs and total distance. But because he's got access to it, but he only does it periodically. But they did one about Nunes um, yesterday. Came out, and it turns out he's got the second highest top speed in the league. Um, 36.53 kilometres an hour. Uh, Anthony Gordon, believe it or not, was top for Everton, 36.6. Um, but he, most importantly, he had the third most sprints per 90 in the Premier League. Um, Rodrigo was top for Leeds. Can everybody remember who was second on that? Rodrigo, it wasn't anybody you'd think of, was it? I'm just looking for the list now. Oh, um, the is, the one uh, who plays with Brighton, Estepinian, plays with Brighton. Yeah, so Rodrigo was 26.6, Estepinian 26.4, Nunes 25.3, then Miggy Almiron fourth. Not surprising to me the way Newcastle played in the season, and then Ryan Sessegnon, and he was 23.8. Um, so sorry, that is a really good stat, isn't it? Sprints per ninety. Well, Kind of, but you can, but one that, that I would like to discuss the thresholds because they're too low. Um, that's not very much, not very many per game. Um, but also you say it can't be taught or can't be coached. The world make this run here at this time, make this run here at this time. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant, I meant the time. speed yeah. and that's the end. Code. Yeah. You, but the actual top speed, the, the, there is no arguing he is a physical beast. Like he is one of the fastest players ever in the league the league is full of the fastest players ever to play in the league yeah um so the top 50 fastest players in ever to have played in the premier league probably 40 of them are playing right now hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. 
So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. Really. Um, but also the the um, the slowest um, meters per minute of any outfield player will be probably thirty percent higher than ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so the minimum threshold, so the advantage has gone down anyway because you don't have. Um, a Robin running past some like Ruddock or something. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there are no or John Terry. There are no really slow players anymore, um, apart from Milner. Um, and uh, so there's no advantage against that. So so the band of of physical capacities are much closer than they've ever been before. Um, but 36k is absolutely rapid. So 10 meters per second. Um, you understand how world records occur. Um. Like that's really, 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 really uber fast. I, I read this amazing uh, thread by Visual Graphics. I don't know. What he's visual called. game, um, a visual game. Yeah, he's yeah, good. yeah. He's he, he's doing a lovely little job um, putting pretty graphs together, um, uh, and he's uh, some of which I would argue with. But on Pele in particular today, because Pele died yesterday, um, there's an unbelievable thread. Everybody should read it. That's where it's at. Um, and, uh, yeah, he talks about all of these wonderful things and I've completely lost my thread. You were going to talk about something to do with speed and sprints. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on visual and, game. Yeah, he's, he'd cited some New York Times piece from um, uh, 1975 from when Pelé went to uh, New York Cosmos. And um, there's, there's the same famous period in, uh, in America where they're trying to measure baseball speed with radar guns, comparing yeah. it with... Um, uh, takeoff speed of aeroplanes. Um, and they had him at 11.1 seconds per 100 meters, over 100 meters. Um, which is, you know, super fast, but there are probably 50 or 60 players in the Premier League right now who could run faster than that. So if, if, um, if you had to do a full 100 meter sprint for Darwin, what would your money be on? What would your range be on on his, on his finish line? speed for 100 meters uh darwin uh, Dar- i would probably put darwin in um i would put darwin and then virgil do you reckon in- he could break it do you reckon he could break 11 seconds over 100 meters oh god yeah i darwin would be like 10 six wow wow like darwin might be the fastest player i've ever seen but Darwin, Darwin could also do a 60 metres because he's got the acceleration right van dyke couldn't do the 60 yeah, he could has he? absurd acceleration for a huge guy and so we talk about top speed all the time. Top speed is opportunity anyway. Um, yeah. So you need you need idiots like Villa to set up on the halfway line so we can <laughs> run in behind, um, which won't happen against most teams. So that that's not going to be that's not going to be the the physical quality he has that's going to set him apart to give him advantage. It's how he gets from zero to five meters per second. It's how quickly he can get from zero to five meters per second is yeah. the thing that separates you. And he seems to have it. That's what Mane had, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mo, they can stop and start super, super fast. I've not seen Salah, I've not seen Darwin stop super fast, but, um, and change direction like anything like those guys. Cause that's super hard at that, at that height. I would never have seen it before, but he has insane searing acceleration for a huge guy, mm. as does Harland. And, and, is, and, and it, they're it, unicorns. Is this what, uh, into physically, yeah. Uh, so is this what you used to call a fast twitch guy? Is Darwin a fast twitch guy? Oh, my God, uber fast twitch, yeah. So you will see, if you look at Instagram, you will see, like, uh, box jump, people jumping on boxes. Um, 
And they use that as training and look how much power I have. To, I can jump on a box. Most of the time, they're just lifting their feet really high. Um, uh, but like Darwin, so we do some, um, there is very significant correlation between how high you can jump and how, 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 how quickly you can accelerate. Yeah. Um, and NBA, they'll have like 40 inch vertical jumps that, that'll be, that's insane. And he'll be right up there with the, the twitchiest, best jumping, most athletic, um, uh, NBA players. So like Russell Westbrook or I'm not sure LeBron could get there anymore, but yeah, like the, the most athletic humans on earth. Mm. Yeah. You, you'll see now, you know, there was a video about Ronaldo on there like a few years ago. Sky did something, the sports science of Ronaldo. It was garbage, but, um, <laughs> they had him jumping and measured this, measured his leap. And now they measure everybody against Ronaldo's invented two meter jump, which is bullshit. But, um, but like Darwin was Darwin. I'm not sure anybody has the leap that Darwin has. And to be fair, I don't watch Haaland enough to know. I'm guessing his is massive, but I, I, I I've probably seen him actually play ten times. It's such and it and it's such a shame that we don't have um the carries data on FB ref anymore. That's the one yeah, big yeah. one we don't have because that's what we're missing. Because if you look at the numbers for, for Nunes in this game, he had, he had he had zero dribbles. Opta gave him zero dribbles, but he didn't because he was running into space the whole the whole time. He, he didn't have five, to beat anybody. Yeah, he had five meters of progressive passing. But if you were talking about his progressive distance, it would be phenomenal. And it would all um, be in, and it would all be in the attacking half. There are dudes that have it. Mark uh, Mark Arstats has progressive meters for. Carries. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I didn't check it, him actually. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and it's oh, you don't even have access to the sheet, but I put it in the sheet every week. Um, but, and he has combined total. Uh, who was the best progressive? Whatever it was, combined for all that kind of stuff and progressive receiving distance. Ollie Watkins had the most, and Darwin had the second. Yeah, Darwin had the most in our team, didn't he? He had eight, eight progressive passes received as well. Um, yeah, so but he was so high on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talking about his sprints per ninety, third best in the Premier League. I can bet, I can guarantee you, he beat his season average way above his season average in this match because he was running in behind the Villa defence. He was sprinting in behind the Villa defence from the first minute of the game, and he continued it for the whole ninety bloody minutes. I mean, Sai, do you remember the seven two, right? Um, and I put it to you that this is basically what Villa did to us in the 7-2. They just ran in behind us and they launched the ball over the top and Watkins and, and who's the lad who's now, Ross Barkley and, and, and Grealish. They just they, they basically just got in behind us and shredded us, right? And we did exactly yeah. the same to them, especially with Van Dyke, Trent um, and, and Robbo, just just clipping, and, and Thiago, just, just putting balls over the top and, and through the it. channel for, for Nunes the whole fucking match. And Salah. And Salah, yeah, yeah and Salah. As well. Yeah. It was, but you're right. It was a really good example. It's almost identical in the, um, that they also scored three decent goals. But, but what we didn't have in this game that they had it in that game is four deflected goals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be there, that was true. But yeah. So there's your, there's your newness section. Rosie, do you want to, I'll give you the last word to you. I mean, huge potential to work on here. Incredibly frustrating in the short term, right? Yeah, it's um, top quality stuff that as well on the speed and um, physicality element. I'd say um, this. I would say one. You've done a great chart on Nunes. 
um, comparing some of his metrics to Harry Kane. Kane's average across a huge sample. Yeah. I mean, he's, above all, he's above on most of them, if if not all apart from the conversion rate. Um, yeah. I'd like, what, what was his conversion rate across his career before he got you down? What was it, about 18? Well, at the point we signed him, I mean, looking back on the, the, the signing part of he did last January, he was 11 and a half goals above expected over the previous 12 months. He'd scored 31 from, uh, he'd scored 31 from 20 XG. <laughs> In the previous 12 months. So the boy can finish. It's clear, but yes. And has another samples. And that's my only criticism so far. The, the, obviously, there's decision making. Yeah. In as well. Um, I think that comes to the same discussion around chance conversion. So, um, yeah, just calm down a bit, lad, when, you, when you're taking a shot. <laughs> but can I, can, I, can I add in from contextual perspective for this season alone? The um the difference. So Liverpool are top of the league. Is that right in XG? Uh, depends. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, some models were top. Some were second or third. Yeah. Yeah. So so under stat, we're at thirty three. Yeah. Uh, XG, which is the highest. Oh, this was before City. So City were City are at thirty four now because they had four XG, didn't they? Um. So we're we're second in in in. Uh, but per ninety, we're top. Um. But. The the difference between the XG we produce and the post shot XG oh, that we yeah. make goalkeepers save yeah. has has uh, <clears throat> has only Everton worse. True, we're nineteenth in the league at, at converting XG into post shot XG. Yeah, we just need to find those corners, don't we? Hit the target and find those corners. God. Yeah, hit the target. Stop hitting it down the middle. But would you not describe that as Darwin's problem? Uh, yeah, some of it is. Yeah, so definitely some of it is straight. No, I'm not saying Darwin is the cause of all of this. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Is is if you were going, if somebody was going to be critical of Darwin, what what they would say is he shoots down the middle or he shoots wide. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's literally manifested itself into it, it representing <clears throat> how the team has been. Yeah. I think his highest quality one of the match roads, he was the last one he had at about um seventy five when it was two one and he and he just sort of dragged it wider the, the with his left foot dragged it wider the far post, didn't he? Yes, that he made exactly the same run that Salah did when Salah made a chance big chance for himself as well and hit it straight at the keeper. Um this was Nunes and he dragged it wide. Yeah, off a of a lovely break as well. That was his biggest one of the match. But that came from the press as well, that one, I think. Matt he, he gave that he did. Yeah. Can we um Darth, how many uh, uh, how many big chances did we give up in this game, Dan? Four. So, the opposite of what I just said about the, our attack, we have Allison in goal, yeah, yeah. who has sh- saved more post-shot XG than anybody else. Yeah. He has saved 8.3 post-shot XG. Yeah. And the second best in the, in the league has three. <laughs> so, nice. so, we are five goals. He saved two in this game. Yeah. So we are five goals down. We're actually four below. Um, so uh, the difference between our XG and our post shot is four below league average. Yeah. And the difference between our um, XG and post shots, no, our actual goals conceded and post shot is 8.3, yeah. which is six. Um, no, is seven above average for the league. Yeah. So that's 12 goal swing. Yeah. It's amazing. So we easily could be the lowest. Uh, we easily because we're we're only twelve points above relegation. We easily could be in relegation. That's right. With, without without Alison, yeah. 
but we what said would we those said... five goals difference be if we were just an average conversion team as well yeah. on attack? We would easily be in the top four as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and on the on the season on the season review parts we did over the World Cup break, we said one of the things that had to carry on was Allison's form. And and he and he he, say, he he conceded one, but he faced one point seven post shot XG. So he still it was still point seven better. So even so, that is a really good sign that Allison comes straight up back out of it and had another good game. So um, one of the three, one of the th- other things we need to, we pointed about in the post review show um, season review pod was that we highlighted three players in particular who had to have big improvements after the World Cup break: Virgil Van Dijk, Fabinho, and Trent Alexander Arnold. Rosie, I put it to you. All three of those players were significantly better than before the World Cup in this match. Yeah, mass- massively so. Um, we spoke about Trent's pass, but I thought his overall game was good. There were more switches, and definitely yeah. a couple of top quality switches as well to to Robbo. Fabinho, like we said, um, a bit more conservative with Thiago tucked in. I helped the um, defence have a Trent had Trent had most passes in the match yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We, our, I know we're talking about systemic, but if you look at the um, average position map, the most of our play is is between um, Salah, Henderson, and Trent is on that side of the pitch. Fabinho helped out with that. Um, he was coming across more to that side mm. when he was on the ball. Um, and yeah, and Virgil, I thought Virgil was superb yeah, throughout yeah. the whole game. Um, the, most of their chances. I think there was one chance. Was it the Ollie Watkins or a later one where he gets in at the back post um, in between Lobo and Virgil? One chance, maybe. Um, but I think that was a good cross. Most of their targeting was between Trent and Matip. And Ollie Watkins yeah. did well there, but again, there was perfectly played balls in between them both. Yeah. So I don't know how much Trent was to blame for that. Um- Sai, you must be pleased that Virgil put in a good performance when it wasn't against a big opponent, right? Yeah, he came back playing well, didn't he? That's a good sign, right? Because you said, oh, he was a bit of a vanity player. It was just when he got up for City, he got up for Napoli or or Ajax, and then, you know, he kind of like, yeah, phoned it in a few times. But this was a run-of-the-mill game, right? Yeah, you think it's a run-of-the-mill game. But but maybe we can do that thing that they talk about all the time in that this is a cup final every game to the end of the season now. And maybe he's not quite over the hill. Like, I, cause I, I do think that, that there's an age thing that comes into playing in big games. You can, older players can get up for big games, but they can't get up for every game. So they have to pick and choose and they mm. choose the big games. And I, I, I do wonder about that. Um, and hopefully we, he can stave it off for another season. So, so Canate can properly, you know. Yeah. Bed down that he, he is a, he is a absolute starter and, and, uh, and the class of a centre back. I, I actually thought though he was genuinely good defensively in this match. I, Me thought, too. I thought he was great. He was good defensively. He looked like Virgil. He was good in. He was good in uh, um, in possession as well. And mm. I, I think the spacing between our defence and midfield worked really well. But I also think Villa are shit. Um, <laughs> Although they do have, they do have a good forward. Yeah, they do. Yeah, exactly. No mistakes. And he made thirteen block, thirteen clearances, blocks, and interceptions, which is which is the most in the match. So, and that and that's it. He did he did clear a lot of danger coming into the box as well, and um, properly cleared it as well. So, I, I thought this was a very good sign, very good sign for Trent, and very good sign for Fabinho. So, with those three together, if they can, you know, let's let's see if they can keep it up against Leicester and then Brentford for starters. And if if we're still talking about this after Brentford then potentially we are on for a good second half of the season. 
Yeah, I, I think these are two real key games for for this team, like for a lot of the players in this team, because I think Thiago didn't have a great game in this no, game. No, quite, had, actually. Yeah. But he also had minus 11 possession control. Yeah, that was weird. Which, which, is gonna, which could easily cost us against a better team. Yeah. Because if he's losing possession, in, he's, that's in the middle of the pitch. And... I know he is better when we lose possession than, than than other players in that he already when when he makes a risky pass he makes sure that we're already set to be counted on whereas other players don't they just make the risky pass when we're already in a risky position structurally as well so he's better at doing that but it's still way too high between him and Ox they, they were minus 23 so they were losing all possession down that side um which is why they attacked down that side yeah um, and they weren't greatly winning it back, though Thiago still had uh, eight recoveries and interceptions, which is quite high for midfield. But but look, maybe so he it was a bit loose. So my point is that he can be much better, and I think he'll need to be against Leicester. Against Brentford, it's going to be really important that Virgil is good because yes. of their, they're so good in the air. So so yes, him and Matip both need to be yeah. So for on different. It. Players, it's important that the that the, they are they are at their best in in different games in the next two matches. Yeah, yeah. Leicester without Madison, which I think is going to help us. Um, um, also, Villa maybe uh, we maybe we benefited down that left by them having to play the 108 year old Ashley Young rather than Matty Cash. You know, with all that, <laughs> given how much we gave the ball away down there. But um, yeah, yeah, sure. So one thing that um, Rosie we need to say maybe it still needs a lot of work um, is the pressing. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw the stuff I all the, the images I posted, but the, the, yeah. so low intensity, low quality in terms of possession wins, um, very very little systemic chain, you know, pressing chain low again, no groups, um, I groups, yeah, and then we again we did we're doing this thing that was was kind of stopping, you get to the final third with the press, and then that's it, no more, virtually nothing past. Um, that line of the final third, um, and I, 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 I was thinking about this, and I thought, okay, what are the, um, what are, the, what are the consequences of this, right? What are the consequences of these, these things, these three things? So, first of all, um, what it means is that the opposition now, these days, this season, are having way more passes without pressure than previously when they play Liverpool. So we had this game, we had 153 presses and we had 52% of the ball. That's not particularly good ratio. And that's when you see the Papa chart in the, in the blue zone, most of the match was in the blue zone. Previously, we've been like having 68% of the ball and having 170 presses. So way, way, way more of the opposition's passes were under pressure from a Liverpool player, at least one Liverpool player. So that, that obviously has an impact when, when you, when, when the opposition players, don't have any pressure on them when they're, when they're passing. Secondly, is that in the final quarter of the pitch, um, we are. I, I looked at the, I looked at the corresponding six games since the Brighton game. We didn't collect West Ham um, for, for 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 personal reasons, uh, but we got the other six games there. And I compared them to six games last season, and we are thirty three percent volume lower in the final quarter of the pitch. Now that's. I thought the, the way to describe that is that. That allows the opposition defence immediately. They're the biggest beneficiaries of being able to play without pressure. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. 
Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, and then the other one, which is the low chain, very low chain and, and low group, it's almost like we, it's almost like there's no systemic press now. It's it's very very solo and very it's almost like you press from your specific position in the team on your direct opponent and you don't really come out of shape and it's almost like we're not we're not even trying to counter press anymore. So I don't know how much of that you saw in this game, Rosie. I, I think there's there's two elements here. One, we scored early, so traditionally yeah. when you score, teams then come at you. When they came at us, we dropped off definitely. They had two big chances on 14 and 16 minutes. And then I thought it was interesting. Um, if you look at the Papa chart, there's then a burst of intensity yeah. from us from like the 20th minute up until we score our second goal. Yeah. And then it drops off again. And I thought that was our best period in terms of pressing in the match. I thought there were a few possession wins there, maybe one that led to a shot. And then you've got a little period after half time when I thought we were abject in terms of structurally, when there's another little period of intent, intense mm. pressing, but there was a lot of fails there. There was a lot of individual pressing. People weren't going in, in packs like what we've seen in the past. New, nobody knows when or if to go with Nunes. But then overall, in the tactical context, Dan, we were just praising the fact that we had a lot of runs in behind, a lot of progressive mm. So if we are sitting back in that middle third and letting them come to us a little bit, and then we can feed those two ultra-fast players we've got up front. Maybe it's a tactical element. If you look well, you at can't, context, you can't counter-press, just, can you? you? When there's 60 minutes, yeah, so when there's yeah. 60 metres behind your front man, yeah. Nunes, yeah. and, and your midfield and your defence, you can't counter-press in that situation. Yeah. Not if you want to release him and use his pace. Yeah. But then I would say, um, that period until they scored, we were really bad. We weren't doing any of the, even the, I think it was the Salah chance, um, but he kind of made that himself, but was running into space from a set-piece. Um, but the the other the other stuff, we you wouldn't be able to do that. But we were still structurally bad anyway because they were they created two mm. chances. But then the final point is after their goal, if you look at the XG um, the XG map, they didn't have another chance. No, we completely called, called yeah, we, the game after that. Yeah, we made some. We think we made some good. The subs improved us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It was but, bad periods, but really encouraging periods. But on the pressing, though, the 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 Villa game was a continuation of what we see, what we've seen previously, wasn't it? In terms of, um, you yeah. know, the patterns of yeah. So, but may, may, maybe maybe well, we I have just to want to say see more in groups. But that comes with that comes with cohesion. That comes with playing together a lot. That's where the group the group press and the pressing chains come from. I think. Yeah. 
but maybe we are changing. Maybe maybe we're witnessing a um, a change of team style. You know, as and this is and this is the, this is the way the data is reflecting it in the pressing. It is this season. Sai, any thoughts on that? When, yeah, wouldn't surprise. It's good. It's, it's, it gets down on on in the data, like what is happening on the pitch, and for sure we are dropping. Um, and I, I, I would go as far as saying we're waiting probably eighty percent less um, in terms of when we're going to press. So there, are, so instead of uh, an incessant gegging, I think we're waiting for specific moments. Um, and we are less, uh, and we're dropping off to entice the opposition forward so that there is more space in behind. And idiots like, like, uh, Villa will happily take advantage of that. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and they did create some chances and, but they also, they also left themselves so open to very simple balls over the top to the, to two of the fastest players in the world. So, so sorry, do you think that, um, ha- letting the opposition have, Having more passes without any pressure is all part of that enticing them forward a bit. Yeah. So, so allow us to play more counter attack and more. But you still need their compliance. Yeah, yeah. Because because a lot of teams, smart Mourinho's team wouldn't uh, the game state dependent. So for the first sixty minutes, if it was nil nil, they would just happily um, be, become Brighton and just pass the ball with amongst the centre backs completely unpressured because they didn't care and they, they would just get their centre backs 150 touches each. Um, and then in the last 30 minutes of the game, they might try to, to, uh, gain, gain some territory by knocking balls into channels. Um, and, um, Villa got 10% long ball rate in this game. That's, City and Liverpool get 10% long ball, right? They weren't trying to do the things that have been very visible, um, this season in, in being our weakness, which is absurd. What are they doing? Like, have they not seen Liverpool play before? So they were doing the things that we criticize over the years Bournemouth for or Arsenal for. They were playing the ball around at the back and we didn't press them in the way that we usually would, but it, it, it allowed it allowed them to feel comfortable, move the ball through them centre of midfield where we could capture them on the second line yeah. um, because they were playing a box and then we were break. So it didn't look like high pressing from our perspective, but we were allowing them the first two lines of possession and then ca- and then capturing the ball back on the third line. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, Dan, after the 32nd minute, we had less possession than... Um... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all, we did all the periods after that subsequent. Yeah, yeah so that's that's right, absolutely right. Um, sorry, so um, Virgil scores a nice goal. Watkins scores a nice goal. Um, talk about the subs. Did they make us? Yeah. I thought they made us better. Sorry, what did you think? Yeah, I actually, I thought Henderson played really well in the the thing that he does now. You don't don't set up a team hoping for good structural defense with um, with Henderson and the team, but he actually can really provide uh, an, a, a, some attacking impetus um, in that he gets the ball forward quickly, he carries the ball forward quickly, is very forward thinking, attacking player when he's doing this these things, but the consequence of which leaves holes, but. It didn't in this game, some, in that he wasn't punished. So it actually, his output was very beneficial to Liverpool. Um, but I, I quickly like to talk on those two goals. Uh, first, really, really, and it's Mo, obviously, but it was, it was a really, really heads up smart, um, uh, uh, play, great awareness from Mo to be able to pick out 
Virgil under the the number of players that are in the box and lovely finish from Virgil, even though it was going wide, but um, but left foot swinger, great, awesome, and their goal was terrible. Um, it was terrible from our perspective, and it needs talking about more. In that they had three players complete with with absolutely no pressure. They had two players in the box that um, that ran our centre backs underneath the ball, leaving the back one exposed. Um, in a gap behind Matip because he was Matip was originally marking him. Then they they had a player run across him, so it dragged Matip's attention away. And Trent was five yards further away, so he didn't he couldn't get back. Which so it looked terrible on Trent with communication, which should always come from Virgil because he's the leader. Um, that they would have been tighter, more compact, and they wouldn't have been dragged over the way they were. And so Matip should have been marking, marking, uh, Watkins, uh, Watkins or Trent should have been blocking him. And they should have had one of the midfielders coming round in fear of, uh, whoever was on the left wing still. Yeah. Um, but wasn't near enough to goal. So structurally, that was a terrible goal, goal to concede. Um, and the, the subs, the subs worked for us because, uh, Bashitic scored. Um, so it was exciting and it, it, it kind of, well, just a couple of things that stood out for me, say, was first of all, nice to see Nabi Kater back, finally back. Um, Harvey playing left wing rather than anywhere more centrally, uh, on, on the right. And also Joe Gomez, Joe, Joe Gomez playing fullback only. And I don't, I don't want to be mean to the players, but I just think that there's a lot to be said by, taking those players out of the central positions and having just a team of men from the start, yeah, to be yeah, honest, yeah. senior players and men. I honestly think there's a lot to be said for, and I, I'd like to see us against Leicester and Brentford particularly, just let's just have the, let's have a really experienced starting eleven, and then let's bring the kids on if necessary after the hour mark of the game, you know, the game's won. Just freshen it up. Sign me up. Treat Elliot like Foden. Okay. Yeah, Nabi, Nabi Bishetic and Elliot were the three most intense pressers once. Yeah. They came on, which you would expect. Yeah, which is good in terms of. Yeah, like you said, Villa didn't have Villa didn't have a, yeah, Villa yeah. Didn't have a shot, so they and they gave a little bit of injection of energy, so that's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so good win. Um, back. Um, and then we signed a player uh, about uh, four hours after the final whistle. <laughs> I believe it was. Um, well, maybe even less actually. Maybe about two hours. Um, do do we want to say anything about Cody Gakpo, Brody? Well, I'll I'll give um, Paul Tompkins' line, which is it, and something we were discussing earlier. He's definitely tall. <laughs> he's, he's got the physicality. Yeah. Um, instead of it being a, a little lad like against Man City, I think I'll count in earlier. Was it seven? I'd say um, seven small lads. It does help with that. He is. He's got similarities to um, Nunes in terms of he's on a hot streak in terms of conversion down. Yes, um, last year he's well, yeah, nine goals above his XG. In the last year, he has got a huge, huge amounts of assists as well this season. Uh, his expected assist numbers are in the top percentile across the last twelve months. Again, a lot of like his set players is about half down. He just whipping a good corner and free kick. Yeah, I saw uh, Michael Cayley say that forty percent of his X, XA numbers uh, in his career are set plays. For yeah. that's that's a big number. Yeah, it is. Um, so you would expect the good amount of shots three and a half of the game. That's a good sample. Um, that's that's up there with Salah's had seasons at three and a half. So that's that's quite a high volume of shots. So it seems to have both elements to his game. Um, he dribbles a lot. 
for sure. Apart from doubles, yeah. Apart from the um, that outrageous speed that we've been talking about with Nunez and Salah, and to an extent, lesser extent, Diaz. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm interested in how he's gonna fit in. Really interested because I'm not quite sure he's got the same profile as as, uh, as Diaz. He seems to be more the creator. I don't know if that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So, Sai, um, any thoughts on Cody Gakpo? Um, I'm expecting to be very much like Diaz. I think, apart from, I think he's a little bit more tactically refined um, because Dutch footballers tend to... Yeah, in... It didn't look like that on the video, but I, I see the profile. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks... You think he's a street baller? I th- no, I think less. I think he's a bit more of a creator, whereas Diaz is kind of predictable. Hard stops at times, but predictable in what he's going to do. I think Gakpo can go both ways in terms of the dribble. I think he's got a far better delivery um, in play and obviously from set pieces. Um, better finisher when he does get in the box. But... Um, I don't think he's anywhere. I, I, I'm expecting to be less, less erratic. I'm expecting to be much more like an academy product that we create in England that's got good skill. That can, but he, yeah. his talent is that he can go past people, but I think he probably will adapt to a system quicker than both Darwin and um, and Diaz in that we had, we had to adapt our system to suit them because they didn't their game didn't suit the system or... They didn't take instruction on so quickly, or the language issues, what, whatever it is. Yeah, you're speaking. He speaks good English, that's for sure. He speaks yeah. good English, and and he. A thing we don't discuss in England is uh, tactical acuity, and in in England, the, here's me stereotyping, but stereotyping from a lot of experience. English footballers tend to be um, of. Uh, um, a type of kid who doesn't study hard at school. So also, so this isn't an intelligence thing. This is a skill at learning thing. Mm. They don't, they all, they are academy products from so young in their life that yeah. they never acquire. Yeah. Gaspo seems to be a bit of a sponge, doesn't he? Which is good. Dutch players tend to be. Yeah. That's my point. Is they that will continually so learn. They learn more easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people that have been in a formal a formal education for a longer period of their life um, actually take on tactical um, situations better and and they can be coached in the way that you were talking earlier that you think uh, Diaz, uh, Darwin can be coached. I think you need a capacity for learning that, yeah. and, and I think that's higher. That's going to be higher in a Dutch player. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about this. My only reservations about this is that it stops us buying somebody else. Like I, I, I like him. He looks like a good player to me. I think he fits in the squad, and like he can be a very positive addition. And as, as we pointed out earlier, we're creating plenty of XG. We're just not converting it very well. And I think there's a good chance that that uh, he will help with that. I think whilst, whilst not creating more structural problems, that's the issue. So. I think I think his number one thing is I think he could be I think he could be an above average finisher in terms of his you know his you know, conversion against XG which which is great news for us as that's what we need as a team most of anything um, he looks to be a very very good striker with the ball maybe he could be second only to Trent when he once he comes into our eleven which is which is pretty pretty impressive um, the one reservation I've got is on the um, 
he, he's going to have to start doing a shitload more work than he has done previously. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and intensity-wise. Um, so, Sai, you, you, you got some numbers from the World Cup with him. So his top speed was 33.7. So how do you put that in the context of forwards, 33.7 kilometres an hour? Fast enough. Fast enough. But not, yeah, it's fast enough. Yeah, but he's not Darwin, so he's a little bit below that, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, th- <laughs> I even think you, you would have put in some I just think it's unfair. I think that, fa- I think that 33.7 is, is, is rapid. It's yeah. just that Darwin is, like, different. Yeah. Darwin, Mo, Mane, they're different. They have they have a different level of speed. Yeah. But, like, you've been able to get to 34K, that's properly fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, it could be Louis van Hull tactics, you know, but there wasn't much in his intensity was there in the World Cup, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues is that I, I've seen him. This is not me saying he's not fit enough to play in Liverpool system. And Liverpool system is transitioning away a little bit, maybe, from the intensity. But we are we tend to be, Klopp's teams tend to be like the most intense or one of the five most intense teams in the league. And at the World Cup, there were 78 forwards that played three, that played 200 minutes or more that were more intense than Cody Gakpo. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, That's seventy-eight forwards out of a, out of thirty-two teams. That's yeah. all. And he was Statsbomb put out a um, uh, player radar, and he was uh, bottom percentile, first percentile for um, for pressures uh, on the Statsbomb model against all forwards. Uh, which again, um, it could be a product of his system with the PSV, and apparently the current current coach doesn't press, whereas the previous guy did. But there's not much in his opt data there going back in previous seasons either. So. Big number one thing for him to work on is his work rate and his intensity and getting into the Klopp system. And obviously, Rosie will be looking forward to collecting that pressing data. Well, I did the I did the um, Y Scout, so they give you two options. You can make make your own clips with a variety of different attributes. So you can have a look at Y Scout's own individual player report on him. And um, I watched that before I did my own, and that was ten minutes long, and there wasn't one defensive pressure in there. As part of what he contributes to uh, the team, whereas usually these so, don't have a wider do, do, do range you know, So there, there's your one percentile. Shout out to Jock the Chock on Discord. You won't have seen this, Sai, but you know who he said from the past, play from the past for him? Who? Chris Waddle. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Dribbler, foot like a sledgehammer, um, maybe, not much, maybe not much work rate. <laughs> But can I preface this by, because it sounds really hypercritical, would we be having the same conversation had we signed Mbappe? Oh, yeah, because he doesn't press at all. Yes, Mbappe <laughs> is, one of the, is, one of, is one of those players, those nine players that, that ran less yeah. than him. Yeah, yeah, a complete luxury player. You know, you're basically playing with t- 10 off the, without the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is he good? Is, is Gakpo good enough to be a luxury player? Not quite sure based on his profile, but there's, there's definitely things to work with. Yeah, or does he? Is he always been? Is he so technical that the coach just creates? So he's basically been playing as a ten, but yeah. not in the centre of the pitch. But yeah. he's, you've got to be so good to be a luxury player at Liverpool. That's what I'm saying. Is that is he that? I don't know. It's potential. It's possible. Yeah. I, I just 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 the, I, I told you before the game, but I, I was speaking to uh, a friend who's a Dutch coach. Uh, yesterday, and he he reckoned that he would be surprised if he didn't end up being the attacking eight. 
Interesting. I guess one of one of these one of these ones like he's the in, in terms of our squad, he's like the Shakiri player, and he, he, he's not intense enough to play midfield. He, you know, he doesn't do enough in in attack. You know, but yeah. does he get caught between two stools? But you know, he's twenty three. Like you said, he learns, so he's young enough to improve. But there yeah, definitely things that you'll need to work on in his game with Liverpool. Anyway, a new player. Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, we will be back. We think we can get this pod out before, Le- um, you know, later oh. today. So you might be able to listen to it before Leicester. Do it, guy, you lazy git. <laughs> one, one, one quick thing, Dan. Bichetic's goal was lovely. Yes. Um, and great to see Ben Doak put Dinya on his ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he looks a talent. Uh, and we will be back after the Brentford game for a double header of Leicester and Brentford. Until then, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.